Welcome home, honey. There's a roast in the oven, and the kids are working on their homework. I'm all dolled up and wearing your favorite dress. Wow, what a super family and a perfect wife. How was your day at work, honey? I'm knocking them dead at the office, darling. How was your day of cooking and cleaning? Incredibly fulfilling. Say, I turned on the old radio in the Studebaker, and wouldn't you know it, they were playing that rock and roll music. <gasps> Here? In Chris'sville? But that stuff is from Satan. My thoughts exactly, darling. Music that makes people twist their hips can't be any good. We shouldn't stand for that in this community. We have to keep ourselves right-facing, with our eyes toward the flag and the Lord. Atta girl. Say, honey, I found this behind the bed after I was enjoying a glass of milk. It's a... A comic? But that's subversive. Well, it, uh, it made me think of something. A closet? Us. Talking about... No, darling. Perish the thought. Surely we couldn't be... Talking about comics? No! I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's On Infinite Earth. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our episode covering Milk Wars. Yep, this is probably the most recent and also strangest crossover we have ever covered. Patron nominated. Yes. And readers voted and pretty overwhelmingly picked Milk Wars. That's true. And so cover Milk Wars we did. We are we are but humble servants. To the almighty dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Not unlike Milk Wars. Well, you know, in, in Milk Wars. <laughs> I liked your halfway segue there. <laughs> uh, but before we get too much more into Milk Wars discussion, we have some people to thank. People to shout out. We do. We have a five-star iTunes review, uh, which Christy is going to read. Thank you, Christy. <laughs> uh, yes. Zakovic. I'm guessing Zakovic. Or Zakovich. One of the two. Uh, says, a great show. I have been listening for a little over two years now, and Chris's on Infinite Earths, Chris's, ranks among my favorite podcasts. So to show my appreciation for it, I will take a page from the mysterious Rob S. and write a short essay that is essentially an extended rambling metaphor. I'm excited. Are you excited, Chris? Yeah. Is that a call out? I <laughs> Chris's is not unlike Krakoa. A place for all mutants, which is our metaphor for comic fans, to find a home among their own people, although they do not own a living island that will copulate on panel, nor will they pay for your mortgage, although old Chris may own some teleportation plants. Hmm. But unlike Krakoa, they are not a nationalistic ethno-state that believes that comic book fans are the superior race, nor are they kind of like a militaristic commune. I love hawks, pox, docs, but that is what they are. Instead, they allow all peoples to enjoy what may not be the best of comics, nor the worst, but are among the biggest. So while they are not identical to Krakoa, I... Just really wanted to make a metaphor in my review that I should have made a long time ago. Well, thank you, Zakovic. Yeah, thank you very much for the five-star review. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have a new patron. You already shout out this patron, Christy? Yeah. We have a new patron, Ben Crawl. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. And if you would like to be a patron of Chris's on Infinite Earths, you can find the link in the show notes. There are many levels to donate at, and uh, if you get us over that $50 a month hump, we will cover the giant Muppets holiday crossover at holiday time. Who knows what time of year it is right now, though? It's it's all very confusing. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been a surreal, surreal over a month now. It's true. Here, here in the middle of the old USA. Yep. During our, during our IQ. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to do you want to tell the readers what that stands for? Oh, I came up with the term <laughs> IQ for inevitable quarantine in like February. <laughs> yep. And yep. That, I was right. Sure were. Yep. I'm so proud. 
All right, well, readers, for the occasion, Christy and I are having a delicious cocktail of white Russians because it contains... In a coffee mug. In a coffee so mug. So thematically appropriate. It's true. And uh, we'll start in on that summary, I guess. Summary. JLA Doom Patrol Special, written by Steve Orlando and Gerard Way, penciled and inked by ACO and Hugo Petrus, colored by Tamara Bonvillain and Marissa Louise, lettered by Clem Robbins, and edited by Jamie S. Rich and Molly Mahan. We open on the interdimensional organization Retcon trying to sell a reality to the intergalactic villain Lord Manga Khan, specifically Happy Harbor, Rhode Island where Milkman Man is force-feeding the 50s-esque nuclear families lots of delicious milk. Enter the Doom Patrol as Danny the Ambulance enters Happy Harbor, chasing a rocket sent by Retcon, which was kind of outlined back in earlier Doom Patrol issues. The strange team enters the house that Milkman Man just left to find a horrifying eldritch creature, as well as hostile inhabitants. The Community League of Rhode Island! These are the Justice League of America brainwashed by the homogenizing milk and led by the mysterious Milkman Man. The Doom Patrol and the Community League have a big fight. We see Rita Farr starring in a 50s-era television program grabbed by an anthropomorphic cowman and sent away for reprogramming. Meanwhile, Retcon explains to Lord Manga Khan how they were able to engineer superheroes by changing the mathematical formulas of their existence. However, Superman is too pure a formula, a direct line from all, the god of superheroes, and as such, they had to engineer Milkman Man. Casey Brink, the current leader of the Doom Patrol, and Milkman Man fight with Casey trying to convince him that he doesn't have to be this way. Jane travels to her subconscious where she grabs a personality who can make art sizzle. Well, since everything is art, this returns the JLA back to normal and Milkman Man remembers his origin. This origin is somewhat complicated, as Milkman Man is the child of Casey Brink and Terry Nunn, a child of nothing, in fact, twisted by Retcon into a homogenized lactose pseudo-hero. He flies off at this realization, quite distraught with the truth. The JLA and Doom Patrol decide to do a team-up, just in time for Cave Carson's cybernetic eye to show up. He is sending it to locations with concentrations of Retcon's influence, for everyone to gather for the final battle. They all get sucked into the eye, and we won't see the group for a few issues yet. The Eternity Girl portions, written by Magdalene Visaggio, penciled, inked, and colored by Sunny Liu, lettered by Todd Klein, and edited by Jamie S. Rich. The Eternity Girl portions tell the publication history of Carolyn Sharp, a character who has been rebooted time after time, culminating in her breaking the fourth and eventually breaking out of her own reality. Mother Panic slash Batman Special, written by Jody Hauser, penciled and inked by Ty Templeton, colored by Kieran Smith, lettered by John Workman, and edited by Molly Mahan. Violet Page, the hero known as Mother Panic, sits with her mentally ill mother in their house on the outskirts of Gotham, where her mother tells her Gather House, the organization that experimented on Violet as a child, is back. Violet vows to shut them down as they did horrifying experiments on herself and other children. However, Gather House has been burnt down for years, so Violet is quite surprised when she travels to its location to find it fully intact. She enters to find the house decorated and quite inhabited by tons of children bearing shotguns and dressed as Robins. Yeah, like the Batman kind. They lead Mother Panic further into the house to find it set up like a church with a brainwashed priest Batman preaching to the children and accompanied by a pale woman dressed as a nun. He is preaching the benefits of milk which we know is some suspect stuff. Father Bruce, the Bat Priest, shows Mother Panic to his machine, which brainwashes children and turns them into sidekicks. He offers to put her in and give her a sanitized origin story. Batman brainwashes a little girl who Mother Panic had previously saved, and this is frankly the last straw. While being accosted by the Robins, Mother Panic takes a shotgun from one of them, aims it toward Batman, and shoots the nun who explodes into milk! Batman snaps back to normal and Mother Panic burns the building down. The children are all returned home except the young girl Mother Panic saved, who stays at Violet's home. The next morning, Batman arrives at their estate with a Cave Carson eye. While Violet does not want to go do cosmic world-saving stuff, her mother talks her into it. 
The heroes travel through the cybernetic eye, but the young lady leaps in as well and poofs away. Shade the Changing Girl slash Wonder Woman special. Written by Cecil Castellucci. Penciled and inked by Mirka Andolfo. Colored by Marissa Louise. Lettered by Saida Temafonte. Edited by Jamie S. Rich and Molly Mahan. This issue takes place in the Hall of Moms, where the ultimate wife and mother, Wonder Wife, lives with Shade the Changing Girl, who has been divided into identical versions of herself that represent different emotions. The happiness version, called Haps, starts to question this milk toast reality as they go through the day. It's honestly pretty weird, as Wonder Woman takes a milk bath and nurses small household appliances and later prepares to take them to a women's rally. Beforehand, though, Hap sees a crawling cybernetic eye crawling around, and she becomes curious about it, as well as a door labeled Danger that has lots of creepy crawly bugs coming out of it. Rita Farr, who is also on TV here, comes out of the TV in spectral form and reminds Haps that she loves honey, not milk. This feeling is quashed by the other shades, as well as Wonder Wife. The women's rally is less about women's rights and more about very traditional gender roles, with signs such as... Ask me about my feminine agenda. Later, the Shades and Wonder Woman have a Tupperware, er, mm, Bupperware party where Wonder Wife reveals her origin of rescuing Steve Trevor and then just marrying him and becoming a housewife. The cybernetic eye starts to reveal Wonder Woman's true past, and in an unaccepting rage, she attacks Haps. Haps manages to rip a hole in the wall that, along with the cybernetic eye, reveals Wonder Woman and Shades' true identities. The brainwashing is revealed, and the two enter the cybernetic eye, hurtling towards our conclusion. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye slash Swamp Thing special, written by John Rivera, penciled and inked by Langdon Foss, colored by Nick Filardi, lettered by Clem Robbins, and edited by Molly Mahan. Cave Carson, his daughter Chloe, and the hockey mask-clad wild dog Jack Wheeler all work in the cube farm at Retcon, where they subsist on the delightful collectability of Funko Pop-esque figures for their cubes, as well as a steady diet of milk. However, poor Cave isn't feeling well on break, and his cybernetic eye suddenly appears, bursting out of a milk carton. Cave feels the strange need to eat a whole bunch of lettuce, which he then barfs up to become Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing purges the milk from the trio's systems, and they fight the milk constructs that are all of their co-workers. Wild Dog and Swamp Thing cover the escape of the Carsons, who escape through the air vents and find a terminal. Cave figures out Retcon's plans to take over culture, and suddenly the little figurines littered all over the place attack. They're made of meat? Swamp Thing appears with a taken-over Wild Dog on the loose. Wild Dog has undergone a 90s-style reboot with his team, the Growlers. They fight off the Growlers and return Wild Dog to normal before discovering via Swamp Thing's hallucinogen that Retcon is keeping creative people sedated and captive to feed on their creative energies. The heroes have to unplug the Dreamers, which has the unfortunate effect of killing them but freeing them from retcon. They make a compost bomb using Swamp Thing's powers where everyone but Cave escapes. Cave decides to stay to make sure no more dreamers are made, but not before he sends out that cybernetic eye. Doom Patrol slash JLA special. Written by Steve Orlando and Gerard Way. Penciled and inked by Dale Eaglesham and Nick Darrington. Colored by Tamara Bonvillain and Marissa Louise. Lettered by Clem Robbins and edited by Molly Mahan and Jamie S. Rich. As Rita Farr is literally crucified for daring to break free of Retcon's innate narrative, back at the Retcon offices, Milkman Man is torturing Cave Carson, trying to get the Explorer to admit how he freed the Dreamers. Before too long, though, the cybernetic eye returns, and with it, all of the heroes. They all begin to fight Milkman Man, trying to convince him that he deserves better than Retcon. He resists their persuasions, however, and the battle is joined by Retcon brand cow soldiers. Meanwhile, Retcon is still trying to sell Earth Prime to Lord Manga Khan, who is wanting to buy it for a client. However, Manga Khan is growing tired of the Doom Patrol and JLA resisting the homogenization and is going to call the deal. Retcon is ready to, uh, hit the reset button, but offers Manga Khan a deal. He helps sanitize the narrative and he can have the reality for free. The heroes continue to scrap, still not convincing Milkman Man, until Casey Brink talks to him again, about how even if he's a monster, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Milkman Man is her son, and she will always accept him. Manga Khan's client, the Galactus parody known as Mr. Nebula, has decided 
No deal. And Mangacon teleports away. As the battle rips into the retcon offices, the main retcon man hits the reset button and reality starts to bleed at the edges. Back to Rita Farr, who uses her elasticity to stretch between realities and escape her crucifixion. Casey confront mm, not confronts. Casey comforts Milkman Man as the world starts to end, but the heroes have a plan. It's time to fight mystery with mystery. Muscle mystery. Well, something more powerful, in fact. Flex Mentalo embraces a new, more dangerous power, inflation intensity. He combines this with the totemic connections of Vixen and Jane's personality Scarlet Harlot's ability to channel psychosexual energy. And bam, universe rebooted. The heroes worry since this version of Cliff Steele is a fan fiction creation that he'll also disappear but he's willing to take the risk. The universe is recreated. We get some short previews of the upcoming young animal stories, and we see Rita Farr, who joins the heroes in the new Happy Harbor for some well-timed celebration. The heroes have somewhat faint memories of their time, but Cliff Steele is now in a human body, and very real. And Casey has forgotten much about her son. Wonder Woman comforts her, saying, she may find a way to fill the hole in her heart, Finn. All right, Christy, what did you think of Milk Wars? So, me as a reader, I sometimes have difficulty with comics, and I don't always know that it's the comic's fault. My brain, it just gets real fuzzy reading some things. But gosh, it took me, I could only read one of these issues each day and then just digest it. Now, to be fair, I really haven't been reading too much outside of work-related things since the IQ mm-hmm. began. Yep. I feel like it's really hard for me right now to read things. So I, I, I want to try and separate that. Because mm-hmm. on my second read, and this happens to me a lot, I'll read a comic through the first time and it makes absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. My brain just went, ah, no. Mm-hmm. But once I kind of know what to expect and I read it through again, I'm like, oh, well, yeah. I get what they're trying to do. It's true. This happened in War of the Gods, although that was also like just, that was just a nice rough, long read. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about times that that has happened to me with Marvel properties reading those. I think sometimes it's harder for me with DC too, because it's just not something that I read normally, or at least the DC characters that I've, I'm the most familiar with aren't normally in the crossovers that we read. Yeah, I think the... The Batman, or the the Batman, the DC run that you've read pretty much all of is Batgirl of Burnsides, and that's like that's like that's like, like the whole the whole deal, <laughs> which is yeah. fine, but it's just uh. So I feel like I cannot judge it upon my difficulties with my first read through. Mm-hmm. Second read through, I was like, oh yeah, I get this. I feel like it hits you on the head with it a little bit too hard, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it really hammers that. That point home of, you know, we're all just corporate chills and it's okay to be weird. By DC. Yeah. (laughs) By Young Animal DC. Young Animal DC. So Young Animal kind of came about in 2016. And this this is like all of the Young Animal books. They all ended, did this, and then restarted. You can tell that I feel like certain writers were not feeling this as much as others <laughs> or we're just kind of feeling it in, in different ways mm-hmm. like the mother panic story seems like a very grounded story it doesn't it doesn't seem that out there other than yes. like batman being a priest yes that one in my first read through was probably the one that made the most sense to me right shade the changing girl was a lot for me to wrap my brain around it is which wild. Is, you know it, it's partly the you know if i was a very ambitious reader and capable of consuming or reading a lot right now i would have read all the young animal stuff leading up to this because it's not a ton uh it would have ended up being 48 issues i mean i guess that's a lot yeah but you know like the quarantine's almost been that long so <laughs> could have read one a day <laughs> Maybe I should plan these out in advance. Well, this one, we we did our best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, Shade the Changing, like, not only the fact that I wasn't really familiar with Shade the Changing Girl, I think it, it was difficult reading alternate versions of characters that I wasn't outright familiar of. Like, right. 
I know Wonder Woman. I know Batman. I know of the Doom Patrol characters that are in the Doom Patrol show that we watch. Right. I feel like for for some readers, we may have to kind of dig into these characters a little bit. Well, yeah. I kind of didn't introduce them terribly well in the... (laughs) In the uh, summaries. Mm-hmm. Mother Panic to some extent. Like, it might be helpful to go through, like, just like, for me, thinking about, okay, this is who they are, this is how I know them from the TV show, and this is how they're different. Yeah. Because it, it, I was expecting them to be more the same, and Rita Farr is really different. I mean, yeah. Jane's different. Jane's a little different. I mean, conceptually, they're very, like, similar, but, like... I feel like their personalities and then even the functions of oh, their powers. Yeah. Jane in the show is much angrier than Jane in any of her comic appearances. Right. Like, Jane seems, like, pretty well adjusted with a firm grasp of her powers. She has rosy cheeks. Yeah, it's real cute. <laughs> it's very cute. Uh, it's very much not like the Doom Patrol sh- show. Yep. Um, Cliff is basically the same. He's just a fanfic in this. Right. But he's, like, he's... Cliff is a great character because he's just always, like, 100% fed up with this crap. Mm. And that's, like, his defining characteristic. See, I feel like the biggest difference, actually, between the show and the Doom Patrol in the the comics, from what I've seen, is that in the comics, they're actually somewhat competent and capable. Well, I think the first season of the show, which we have not finished. We haven't. We are taking forever on it. (laughs) Is, like, slowly leading them up to being competent. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, the actual Doom Patrol has been around since, like, the 60s, off and on. Right. So they're they're good to go. So Shade, the changing girl, mm-hmm. is she? How old is her character? Not very. Twenty sixteen, but okay. it's based on a an older book called Shade, the Changing Man. Oh, okay. From Vertigo, a lot of these the young animal concepts kind of seem like Vertigo stuff, which was a DC imprint in the nineties. Okay. I forgot that like ver- I've never like really talked about Vertigo much. Sandman was a Vertigo title. Oh, okay. Preacher was a Vertigo title. Doom Patrol was not, but like it honestly could have been. I feel like mm. um, Grant Morrison did Doom Patrol in the nineties. It's real weird. It kind of molded as it went on. For like I, I I'm fairly certain some early uh, like Hellblazer, like John Constantine. Well, not super early, but some John Constantine stuff was. Mm-hmm. Vertigo. It was kind of like the the slightly offbeat, a little gothy books, mm. and then it 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 kind of stopped being a publisher somewhat recently. I mean, it was never it was like a sub publisher of DC, but I think a lot. It, Young Animal is somewhat of a spiritual successor, but still seems kind of rooted in like the superheroy stuff mm-hmm. a little bit. Are th- they? Is Young Animal still putting out titles right now? I mean, not like right now, right now. It's like nobody's putting out titles right now, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Far Sector is a Young Animal book. Okay. The Green Lantern book that, you, that you're actually yeah. further, further yeah. than me on. Hey, I'm reading a Young Animal title. Right? You are. Look at you. <laughs> I think that might be it right now. Okay. There was a. The other books, the, the books that are hinted at in this crossover mm-hmm. only went for like six issues a piece, except yes. for Doom Patrol. Which ended up, I think, going for maybe in, in yeah. When 12? I was when I was glancing over the the wiki, it said what they had something come out in 2019, like they're one of the last issues of their right. I don't maybe Doom Patrol wasn't another six issues and not twelve. I read I've read all the Doom Patrol that leads up to this. Oh, uh, it's okay. been a bit though. Thank you, Hoopla. Before before we hit the DC app, mm-hmm. I mean, it all seems like a lot of fun, but like Doom Patrol is especially fun. Did you like the artist that they chose for like the last few pages of this entire crossover? Oh, yeah. It what I I don't think I realized it was actually an artist sh- like it was definitely like an artistic mm-hmm. shift. I don't think I realized that it was a different artist on the last. So that's few. Nick Darrington mm-hmm. and he did all of the Doom Patrol leading up to it and it is magnifique. Oh, um, well, so- that's interesting. I would think they would be like bringing in like a new artist that's going to like reboot the line or something. But well, I think they were almost trying to do something where they picked artists that were a little more s- traditional superheroy for some of this uh, stuff, and then sort of moved it mm-hmm. into like, oh, we're back, we're we're back into weird. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because um, I'd say Nick Darrington's like he is known for like two DC books right now. Mm-hmm. One of them is Doom Patrol, and the other one is this really great like Batman series that was released in those hundred page giants that they put in Walmart. Oh, (laughs) 
that Brian Michael Bendis wrote. And it is just an absolute like Batman mystery delight where he, there's like, Aww, it's like cl- Batman is the greatest detective. Yeah. And it's like clearly written for like, l- like, is it all ages or is it young, young? It's not that- young, young. It like, I, I, I got a super kick out of it, but mm-hmm. it is not particularly violent or difficult to understand. It's very bright and colorful for a Batman book. Oh, that sounds just delightful. Yeah, I, I think you should read it, actually. it's It reads real quick. <laughs> Are you recommending me a book, Chris? Nope, would never. Uh, so, readers, there's a joke. I cannot recommend Christy a book or she won't read it. I don't... I can't I can't explain to you why that is. Um, yeah. If Chris recommends it, it to me and then I see someone somewhere else recommending it, not even necessarily to me, but if I see other people talking about it, yeah. I feel like it almost holds more weight. It's which, true. What's great is if I recommend something to you and then you forget and read it and then tell me about it. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> that was really great. Well, oh, if X-Men. only somebody had uh, recommended that to you. That was, I think that might've <laughs> been the big one. Cause I kept trying to tell you, read Wolverine and the X-Men. It's a fun school book. And I you're like, know. no, never. Your recommendations are garbage to me. <laughs> I can't, readers, I can't explain why. Right. There's no good reason. There is no good reason. It, and it, I don't know. I feel like it's such like an acknowledged thing between us now that it's almost just become a bit that I've committed to. Yes. <laughs> However, I if I pick a movie, like you will watch it with me. Yeah. So I yeah. need to find a way to like cuddle up to you well, with a comic. No, no, I've told you. Like you just take my tablet and <laughs> download whatever it is on it, and then just hand it to me. That's very low effort. That's true. And uh, if if you if I do it when you're slightly distracted, you won't realize that it's a recommendation, <laughs> and you'll be like, I guess I downloaded this. And you're like, Christy, you have to read this for the podcast. <laughs> and you're like, what? This wasn't a crossover. <laughs> I think that's I think that's one of the big downsides of digital comics for me is like we have so many different apps that we read things on and going and finding things and getting them and making sure that they load and that they work and reading all the things in the right order. It's a it's a pain. Like that is definitely the upside of a physical comic. You can just hand it to somebody and say, read it. Right. Um, this wasn't too bad though. They, they luckily, like, you could search Milk Wars as a series. That was and great. Then it would you pop could up. finish reading the issue and click next issue and it didn't take you to the next issue in the title. It took you to the yeah. next issue in the event. Although in this case, there was no next right. issue in the title. But right. Marvel is notoriously like, <sighs> and sometimes Marvel offers you two little choices where they will say, like, the next in the series, or if it's part of, like, one of their, like, crossover reading lists, you will have the next option. But it works only part of the time, and a lot of times it just doesn't. And it is super, super irritating. Mm-hmm. I hate it. It it makes me... They should... You should be able to have a, like, a playlist. Mm-hmm. On DC, you can make a playlist. Yeah. You can't share it, which you should be able to share it. But you can make your own little playlist. If If we had, like, a whole another floor on our in our home mm-hmm. to dedicate just to the storage of comics right i could see the appeal of physical i mean um, we've like barely even touched our giant filing cabinet there's mostly like other things in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah readers i got chris last year for my birthday, birthday an enormous like legal size like Four, four drawer, three drawer, four, four drawer, three drawer, three drawer mm-hmm. filing cabinet uh-huh. for the organization of comics. And so far, it just has like piles of comics in that it. I have not organized <laughs> it. had some that I got rid of too. Like I threw some in there and then went, uh, I don't think I'm actually going to want to keep these and like gave them away. <laughs> yeah. Some of y'all, I see your photos on Twitter of those, of the long boxes and the shelves and the. Can I, can I talk about long boxes? <sighs> I think they're hideous. That, I've seen some really pretty ones though. People well, and Marvel like, makes like nice, nice like premium ones, but I think like the like white corrugated cardboard ones, they eventually turn into like the color of like like old boxes. Yeah, no like, shade to anybody who organizes their comics that way. Yeah, that's just not that's not. We for don't Chris. have the space. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We should probably talk more about this this comic series. Yeah, that might be in your long boxes somewhere. Maybe, yeah, not mine. <laughs> So um, okay, so we talked about Doom Control. We talked about Shade the Changing Girl. Uh, and Kate, Mother Mother Panic. Mother Panic. She's in Gotham City. She was like a like a socialite, but she was experimented on as a child, and then 
she later wanted to take revenge. I don't. On the I don't quite fully get her mom. Her mom. I don't can know that see I have everything to. she sees. Okay. But she also is like. She just like knows who Batman is. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's pretty <laughs> wild. Um. She seems to have some sort of some sort of pseudo dementia or something. I don't know. I don't think it's particularly well explained. Mm-hmm. Somewhat on purpose. But Mother Panic killed her dad. Yeah, because her dad wanted to like. I think sell her or something. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So terrible childhood. Got it. Right. Well, you have to have a terrible childhood or you'll never be, you're ne- how will you ever become a superhero? You'll be the flash. You became a superhero. <laughs> Just, he was like, well, I guess. Uh, all right. And cave Carson, cave Carson, who we've actually seen. So in uh, other things, if readers might remember our running joke, which is that cave Carson doesn't realize he's in the DC universe. And is just always surprised at seismic events going on because for the most part, early, <laughs> early on in crossover history, he would just be in a cave going, Whoa! <laughs> but now he gets a cybernetic eye and hangs out with wild dog. Who is like the DC universe punisher and also his daughter, Chloe. Yeah. It his- seemed like a whole lot of fun. Yeah, I liked that art style too. Uh and of course Swamp Thing is the is the avatar of nature in the universe, the green. Um the joke with the little dolls them being made of meat, I don't maybe not a maybe not a joke. The like meat in Swamp Thing is the red, which is kind of its own like So the green is kind of the embodiment of of like nature. Uh-huh. Red is the embodiment of like of literally like meat. <laughs> Okay. If I recall, someone's going to correct me. But um, so I think that that's why the dolls were made of meat is uh, Swamp Thing has this this like meat fighting thing going on. The little Funkos. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. They're I'm just trying meat. to wrap my brain around the Swamp Thing meat, red, red stuff meat. I don't. Mm. Mm-hmm. It is bizarre. So that whole deal, like the green and the red, was was a Alan Moore thing. Mm-hmm. You may know him as the man who wrote who wrote The Watchmen, mm. and mm-hmm. uh, he comes up with a lot of strange concepts, and that was one of them. See, when I think about red and yeah, green, I'm sorry. I, I the think red of is a, a force which connects and pervades all animal life. I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, you're fine. I was just going to make a make a silly non comics related joke. You can you can contribute relevant information. <laughs> Yeah, the green is is like plant life. Red is like animal life. It's I was going to say, when I think about green and red, I think about a color-correcting makeup palette. Oh, I think about the cute nicknames that we gave each other when we were very newly dating. <gasps> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's much better. Yeah. So, readers, Christy kind of has a slightly olivey green skin tone mm-hmm. because she's Mediterranean, and I have a kind of red... <laughs> Irishy <laughs> skin tone, and so when we stand next to each other, mm-hmm. um, we definitely look like contrasting colors. Yeah, the nicknames happened when we both worked at a, a summer camp and couldn't let the kids know that we were dating each other, and so we wrote each other little little love notes with our with our their nicknames, our nicknames, yeah, to be discreet. We were very cute. We we're adorable. <laughs> You're turning this podcast off right now because you (laughs) (laughs) people just vomiting. It also is important to note that in this, the JLA is not the Justice League. It is the Justice League of America. There were two comics going on at the Mm -hmm. same time. There was Justice League of America and Justice League. You'll note that, like, I think really the only character in the JLA is actually Batman from the Justice League. Even Wonder Woman, I'm fairly certain, is not in the JLA. Mm-hmm. She was just in this. Mm-hmm. But it's like Lobo and Black Canary and Vixen and Frost. Mm-hmm. And I ah, the Ray. Yeah. 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 It's an interesting mix of characters. I've not seen that. The two authors of this, at least the bookends, were Gerard mm-hmm. Way and Steve Orlando. Mm-hmm. Gerard Way, of course, being... The architect of, of young animal, but also the lead singer of My Chemical Romance, a very important part of most of our teenagehoods. <laughs> Not yours. Not mine. Not yours. <laughs> I was so he kind of came on the comics writing scene by writing Umbrella Academy, which is now a Netflix series. Right. And I was so mad because like I loved My Chemical Romance and Umbrella Academy is good. But frankly, one person should not be good at that many things. They are not allowed. But you say that I'm good at everything. You're allowed. Thank you. <laughs> 
So Steve Orlando was writing JLA. Gerard Way was the architect of Young Animal, but also the actual writer-writer of Doom Patrol. So they kind of smushed together for this one. Steve Orlando doesn't work at DC anymore. He's going Marvel. Mm. So to me, tell me if I'm wrong here. I feel like Wonder Woman and Batman and the JLA were kind of in this event to like put Young Animal over. Oh, yeah. They were definitely like – you know how – um. There's times where you, so you'll have like a match and it'll be like maybe Sammy. This didn't actually happen, but maybe like Sammy Zane. Well, in this case, it did happen. So Sammy Zane answered John Cena's open challenge, mm-hmm. and you know, even though like a lot of us were like, "Yeah, Sammy Zane," because like we don't just watch the big show; we watch NXT and we watch right? the indies. He came in, and even though John beat him, mm-hmm. like there was this whole big thing where you know, like John raises his hand and points at him at the end. Right, right. Like, yeah. hey, this is a worthy opponent. Right, and you should respect and care about him. Yeah, uh, it is. While this, the the, I think they even said I read like a little short snippet of an interview where they said mm-hmm. like we were gonna, they were trying to kind of get these characters in like eyes on them that maybe wouldn't be on them otherwise. Right. So that's kind of where the idea of this event came from. But let me tell you, if you were trying to get people into the Young Animal comics through their interest in, like, Wonder Woman and Batman, I don't know if this was the way to do it. (laughs) Depends on what your interest in Wonder Woman is. Is it kind of (laughs) fetishy? So uh, I want to dive in on that uh, a little oh, bit. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay. Yeah, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Uh, the Batman thing is great. The Batman becoming a priest, that's fantastic. Uh-huh. And there's a question about that later, so we could talk about it. But the Wonder Woman thing where she's taking a milk bath. Yes. And then and nurses a dust buster. Right? Like, the- I, I have nursed and I have been attached to equipment to aid in that process of nursing and feeding my children. Uh-huh. And- at no point was I ever like, man, a dust buster would feel good right now. Well, I think it's supposed to be a metaphor of, like, the baby's being There's a like, blender later. <laughs> There's a blender. <laughs> Maybe even there was a toaster? I think there might have been a toaster. <laughs> I just... I don't know. It. That's Those are the bits to me that feel, like, really heavy-handed. I don't know. And, and those are the, the parts that... When we ask readers for questions and stuff, or people want to talk about milk wars, they talk about, you know, breastfeeding a dustbuster and like a coffee cup on a map and just like the things that aren't actually like the best parts of the story. They're just sort of like the. It's also like a weirdly horny scene with Wonder Woman. Yeah. uh, Sexualizing like breastfeeding. It's hard for me to read. As soon as I saw that Mirka Andolfo was doing it, Mirka Andolfo, she's a, an Italian artist and mm-hmm. she does a lot of like kind of the thirsty ish books. I mean, I think Milkman Man even calls Wonder Woman a, uh, what, a Greek centerfold? Well, after, this. after you know, when, when she. Yes. Because he even says, like, Wonder Wife, where's your husband or right. something? <laughs> oh. oh, man. And I, I'm not even sure that I fully get what wonder woman's or what wonder wife's like mission was just I guess, to be to, a good housewife just to manipulate the emotions of other women i think she they were just trying to keep them off the table like give them something to do okay Maybe. i just feel like if i were running retcon i would have done things differently what would you have done christy <laughs> <laughs> what would you've had Wonder Woman do to, to homogenize and sanitize her origin? I, I mean, it, was the milk necessary in any of this? Man, in that it was like, like if was, you that if was you, the milkiest one. If you have the power to like refresh and reset an entire like universe, like oh, do no. you have to manipulate people they through dairy? They didn't want to refresh it because that's like the. I know they option. didn't want to, but they had the power to. Yeah, but. Why would you do? Couldn't you have the power to manipulate people that doesn't involve force feeding them dairy products? I it's 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 a comic book. <laughs> it's just part of the I, fun. They, I just want my bad guys to do better. <laughs> These are very weird bad guys. 
Well, Redcon, you're from Doom Patrol and you're real strange, but why can't you have normal normal plans to sell to homogenize and sell reality? Why can't you just evade taxes and, you know, be an evil corporation that doesn't pay its workers and just totally fly under the radar? This is a bit more cosmic than that. <laughs> it I it was kind of a fun read though. In general, yeah. I like Milk Wars. It's definitely unique. It had whole issues where nobody got punched. Yeah. I think one. I think one whole issue. I got punched. You got punched. I got punched by these comics. (laughs) These comics punched (laughs) I was assaulted by these these books. Oh my goodness. (laughs) All right. Well, are we uh, ready to get into our Twitter questions? Uh, Yes. All right, our first question comes from at Play Comics Cast, who asks, how close did Christy come to breaking while preparing? I feel like I've addressed this a little bit. <laughs> you know, how in my first read-through, I could only take it one issue at a time, and every time I would finish reading and think, I, what, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was it. <laughs> But I made it through and I'm here, so I, I, I'm i not broken. Yeah. All right. Our next one comes from at Ravel underscore near who asks several questions. Which Funko Pop would you most be afraid of coming to life and attacking you? So um, I have to make a statement about Funko Pops. I do not like them. I don't. I, I own one and it's completely by accident. Uh, you own none. I own one. I have a little Stormtrooper one that sits at my desk at work. It's a oh, little one. Okay. I think it was um, something that your mother bought for your... Oh, for the baby shower. Yeah. So technically you own both. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had a Star Wars themed baby shower, guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We had a Star Wars nursery. Yep. Yep. We're very into Star Wars. And we cannot get that kid to watch Star Wars to save our life. Uh, he likes it sometimes. Yeah, he really liked the beginning of The Last Jedi, which is like the fighty, shooty yeah. laser part. So Funko, I forgot about the Stormtrooper Funko Pop. Yeah. So very, we would have to worry about very few of them. But I looked up a bunch of Funko Pops just to see what some of the ones were. Where if I if I happen to have one, what would be the most unnerving? Mm-hmm. There's a Bob Ross Funko Pop, and that would that would be <gasps> very upsetting oh. if it came to life and tried to kill me because oh, he's yeah. so peaceful. Yeah. To me, thinking about this, I was just thinking about well. It would probably be like the one that we have in our house, which yeah, is a Nissa. Nissa. Yeah, you Wizards of the Coast gave that to you. Yeah, they they just handed it to you along with. Well, no, we we got our our tickets to their event. Uh, yeah, they gave me that, and they gave me a, a huge like foam axe. Uh, yeah, Garrick. From Garrick and Garrick the Planeswalker. Yeah, they did offer us passes, but we happened to already have them. Yeah, we did their did their game at. Um, at PAX. God, that was so long ago. So long ago. But yeah, you know, before before Christy cosplayed a comics character, she she cosplayed a Magic the Gathering character. True. Wild. <laughs> so yes, I would be terrified of that one coming to life because... It's the only one that's in the house. It's the only one that's in the house. What is Milkman Man's version of truth, justice, and the American way? I thought about this. Okay, I have it from the comic because he said... Or does he literally say it? He says it. Okay. I was thinking uh, sales branding in the American way. Oh, oh. Um, okay. So, Milkman Man says lies marketing and the retcon way. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. So it already exists. It does. Nier it actually does. asked a reading comprehension question as opposed to an opinion question. And I comprehended. You got it. <laughs> He then asks, who cares about maps anyway? And to that I say, clearly Grant Morrison, the guy who invented that map. Which is funny, because Gerard Way is kind of a protege of Grant Morrison's. Mm. Are, are maps, in this case, kind of like charts? <laughs> kind of like data pages? No. No? Okay. I actually think the map of the multiverse is... It, it's, like, cool, but you'd never have to look at it. Whereas, like, those charts are, like, good and useful. <laughs> Um, Graham Morrison made a map of, it was probably him and some other people, made a map of the DC multiverse, which right now has 52 Earths in it. I was looking at 
it and I didn't understand it. There's a there's a crossover called DC Metal where they're like, where are these guys coming from? And they turn the map over and it's dark. <laughs> uh, of course. <laughs> it's so comics, it hurts. Yep. Our next set of questions comes from Asimov Fangirl, currently known as the cutest villager. I feel like this is an Animal Crossing reference. We'll never know. I think we'll know. <laughs> uh, hola, Chris's. Which other characters would you like to have seen milkified? Not sure if it's the right term. Never read the crossover. It is the right term. Kind of homogenized, as they said. Or ret- retconned? Retconned. Retconned. And sh- extra ends. I would have liked to seen like a like a Andy Griffith show version of Green Lantern. I think that would have been just delightful since he kind of plays like a small town sheriff. Mm. Or even like the Don Knotts, because Don Knotts is in that show and he's wow, Andy <laughs> That'd be fun. Maybe Green Arrow and Green Lantern as the two, as as uh, the Andy Griffith cops. See, I was thinking, like, Batgirl, but, like, from the Wonder Years. Oh, like like a Winnie Cooper Batgirl. Yeah, Winnie Cooper Batgirl. Oh. And Nightwing could be could be uh, Fred Savage? Yeah. <sighs> what would you do <laughs> if I sang a tune? I loved the Wonder Years growing up. I thought it was great. It started like playing a ton on uh, Nick at Night. Uh huh. Watched it so much. I feel like I only caught it like occasionally. Do you ever think it's wild that that guy's younger brother did Boy Meets World, which is not unlike the Wonder Years? It just takes place (laughs) in current times. (laughs) Took place in current times. Yes. Well, I mean, I guess now they have Girl Meets World. I think that's even done by now. Yeah, I think so. I think so. That did not have the staying power of Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World was on like TGIF. That was a that was a juggernaut in the nineties, <laughs> a powerhouse of Friday night television. <laughs> uh, as a mouse fangirl, also ask, what are your favorite dairy foods? Oh God, we we eat a lot of dairy in the mm-hmm. Edelman house. Mm-hmm. There were cheesecake, even, cheesecake. Even when we it go- combines cheese and cake, <laughs> <laughs> both. <laughs> And it is a dessert. Cream is up there with me. I love it in coffee. I mm-hmm. love the fact that it makes Alfredo sauce. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I really like cream. But you can't make Alfredo without the cheese. You know what else has cheese? Cheesecake. It's <laughs> <laughs> mm, my favorite dairy product. Gosh, That's... wouldn't this be embarrassing if we were lactose intolerant? Yeah, we're not, though. No. Um, even when we're like, even like our the times when we eat vegetarian, we usually throw some cheese in there. Oh, yeah. So maybe it's cheese. Maybe it is cheese. Um, cheese is very versatile. Uh-huh. Desserts? Sauces? Yep. I like butter a lot, though, too. Ooh. I, got, I think I made to say butter because, like, butter makes everything good. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you put butter in apple pie. You put butter on a steak if you're doing it right. Like, if I had to cut out cheese, that would be hard. But if you had to cut out butter? Butter. I mean, I guess there you are butter alternatives. Another, right. There they're aren't not, really they're not like, as good as butter. There aren't really like cheese alternatives. No, there are some. There are some dairy-free cheeses. They don't melt. They do not super well. So they kind of like retain their shape. So and it, just it's like, got to be the cheese. All right, it's there's cheese. butter alternatives. <laughs> cheese. <laughs> and then Asimov's fangirl says thanks. I have to say to Asimov's fangirl, gracias por tu pregunta or por su pregunta. Tu is very familiar. I took German. <laughs> Pretty sure Asimov's fangirl is uh, is 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 from Mexico, so I was trying to do a little Spanish there. Oh yeah, yeah. They started off the greeting with "Hola," so yep. there you go. Yeah, we'll we'll Th- say "su pregunta." Thank you for knowing useful languages. Sorry. Spanish is a very useful language. I wish I would have kept up with it more. We should be doing that that Duolingo. Yeah, that's true. It's not like we don't have time. You would you say, other than English in your daily life, is the second language that you hear the most probably Spanish? Oh yeah, that's like that's not even that's not even hard. We're, right. we're in the middle of the country. It should just be required in high school. I know they wanted to give us language options, but we should all just also take Spanish. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question is from Rev Zachary, who asks: Weird that Graham Morrison was in multiple MCR videos, right? I don't. They were. They're like buds. 
Gerard Way and and, and Graham Morrison. As it's at Ravel underscore near notes in a reply, yeah. having the discussion on our Twitter. I think Grant likes to be in MCR videos because they were very cool. Mm-hmm. And Gerard Way thinks that Grant Morrison is like a visionary. I think they they mm. they get a lot out of each other. And uh, at Dan the McMahon said something that I did not realize, and maybe maybe this is things that I've heard and just forgotten. But Gerard was also a DC intern in the nineties. Yeah, pretty wild, huh? So that was like pre MCR. MCR would have been the two thousands, right? Yeah, like their first album I think came out in like oh two. Yeah. Wild. I brought you brought you my bullets, you brought me your love. I think that's what that one was called. <laughs> I wanted to write comics, but instead I started a band. And then wrote comics. And then I wrote comics. Have you seen Gerard Way recently? He is the dadness looking dad who ever dadded. I don't actually know if he's a dad. <laughs> but he just looks like one. It's just funny because like I remember him from like Black Parade days and now he's just kinda like hey. like we're in a we're in a cardigan. Alright. This next question is fun. Uh at dipping underscore sauce. Uh, asks, so what grocery staple would you have a war over? Sugar. Flour. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of the dough maker in the house, and you're kind would of- Would we call it bread wars? Bread wars. Flour wars. <laughs> Flour wars. <laughs> it's funny though, I feel like I'm, I'm the, I'm the bread maker, and you are the sweets maker. Yeah. Yeah. It works. You make bread sometimes too though. You probably make more bread than I make sweets. You know, if this IQ goes on much longer, I may have to start making pasta. It's not hard. That's a, that's a, my momism. Make your own pasta. It's not hard. She always like, when, yeah. if my mom ever talks about making her own pasta or, or making the, her own anything, it's not hard. Right. Yeah. Except puff pastry. She will fully admit that that's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next question comes from at Excel 522. Is the inflation page purposefully fetishy or simply an innocent accident? No, it is 100% purposefully fetishy. Right. They reference it. Yes. They say the psychosexual energy of inflation. Yes. We didn't get to talk very much about Flex Mentallo, and that's sad. Oh, we didn't. I you love, love talking to me about Flex Mentallo. He flexes his arms or stuff, and then like things happen, and that's his superpower. I remember when you first explained that to me, and I was just like... That sounds kind of lame, but kind of cool. I, I can't really decide. At one point, he flexed the Pentagon into a circle. <laughs> he re- he talks about that. Yep. <laughs> it took him a really long time. He was he's also from a, he's created by a child's imagination. Come with me. <laughs> I love Flex Mentello. He shows up in the show eventually. We'll have to get to it. Mm-hmm. At James Moore twelve seventy eight. Asks what our favorite MCR song is. Mine is Dead from Welcome to the Black Parade. Love Dead. I hate this question because I went and I listened to My Chemical Romance and I remembered why I didn't listen to My Chemical Romance in high school. <laughs> so what's your favorite MCR song, <laughs> Um I no, I don't know. I can't I can't pick one. The songs that I know, I I very much dislike because they were very overplayed on the radio and they weren't even my style of music to begin with. I was very Fair. seen and indie and not not kind of your pseudo goth. Mm-hmm. You're you're near you're nearly goth. Whereas I was kind of nearly goth. Um I kept like my listening ha- to my I wore black romance, shirts. Uh just took me back to so many small local concerts that I went to because I liked a guy. <laughs> And listen to really bad music that all sounded a lot like that. Welcome to the Black Parade came out like a month after I started college, and it was uh, it was delightful. It was a good couple of years for music. Panic, a fever you won't sweat out came out the year mm-hmm. before. Oh, so good. But mine is dead. Make it acoustic. Is there an acoustic version of any My Chemical Romance song? <laughs> I have to sleep next to you. (laughs) I'm sorry, readers. I apologize to everybody. I think there is, actually. Someone's going to be like, no, they sound great acoustic. (laughs) And I'll be like, oh my goodness, this is a renaissance of My Chemical Romance for me. You also like the second Panic at the Disco album more than the first. I never said more than the first. Do you like more than the first? They're two very distinct albums. I don't feel like they're comparable to each other. They're comparable in that I like one of them and I don't like the other one. (laughs) 
Well, you know what? I liked the first Ludo album better than I liked the second. And that's completely wild. (laughs) Give me that acoustic guitar. The first Ludo album is good, but the second one is very good. Love Me Dead is on the second one. I mean, the second big one. We are not talking about The Broken Bride, which is their, their like, rock opera EP. (laughs) (laughs) All right, our last question, as we're getting off topic, is from Ed Josh Garvey, who asks, Did you know that Gerard Way and Joe Rogan are cousins? That's wild, huh? That is wild. Sure is. I am. I did not know. I'm rather distant cousins with the worst human being, Tucker Carlson. Hmm. The, the the awful Fox News commentator. It's very distant, though. <laughs> mm, I don't. We're related through a, a, a Fulbright, I think. Oh. I think maybe the senator. I don't know. I have uncles in oil, so fun times there. Yeah, I'm not related to anybody interesting other than like the nice people that I know. <laughs> the most interesting people. My great grandpa once. Dead, co- well, so. <laughs> <laughs> my great grandpa once put a bullet in a in a gangster. I guess that's kind of neat. Your great-grandpa was a gangster, though, so that's probably cooler. <laughs> much cooler. Much, much, much cooler. <laughs> My great-grandpa sucked in a lot of other ways, though. <laughs> All right. Man, I feel like this episode, we got off topic so much. I'm sorry, readers. But to be fair, I feel like that really captures, like, the frantic energy <laughs> of Will Millcourse. Yeah. <laughs> Also, the frantic energy of IQ. Hopefully, we can be a little bit more on track with our accolades. Accolades. All right, what is the best line in this crossover, Christy? Can I tell you mine? Yeah, please tell me your best line. Mine is when when they we got the sanitized Batman origin, when instead of the bat crashing in through the window, a fully like grown dressed priest leaps through the window (laughs) and Batman says, yes, father, I shall become a priest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty good. I like that one a lot. Um, My second favorite one, I can't remember the exact line, but it's there. They are the, in all-star Superman, which is Grant Morrison's big Superman story. It distills down Superman's origin to like one page and like, like, doomed planet kindly couple like something rocking into space they did another version of this Mm -hmm. with milkman man and i can't remember it but i really enjoyed it (laughs) well uh my best line i gave uh to casey brink Mm -hmm. uh who just because i thought it was kind of kind of sweet some of the best people are weirdos oh that's so true though yeah i don't kind of love that I don't know if that from a couple of weirdos sitting in their closet talking <laughs> into a can. All right. Uh, what was the coolest moment? I think it was when Rita goes through the multiverse map. I just thought that was real neat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. I I kind of struggled to find a coolest moment, though. I liked Jane uh, doing her art Oh, that one persona. is. That's the coolest moment. Yeah, uh, and they did all the the, the, the covers, pages, and, yeah. the covers flying around. That was really good, and like older versions of the characters. Are you having regrets? I am having regrets. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> all right, who is your greatest hero? Flex Mentallo, the man of muscle mystery, <laughs> for Fair. embracing inflation intensity, which that got real weird. A power he'd never explored before. I love Flex Mentallo. <laughs> He's so good. I gave mine to Cape Carson. Oh, for he kind of did organize this whole mess. Right. Without his eye, they they were out of luck. I feel like Cave Carson was kind of the Christy Edelman in this in this crossover. Making things happen and bringing people together? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is, who gets the Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy? Um, the person who said the coffee cup on the map. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever. I don't even know if that was a villain. It was just like... <laughs> I don't know. They have like a weird helmet on and like things attached to them. Yeah, it was strange. I don't. And then we get a whole page of uh, Rita Far covered in milk. And then she just like comes in and shakes it off and is like, yep. I was here the whole time. Yep. That's a, it's the silliest villainy of the whole gosh darn thing. I read this and I was like, wait, wait, is all this 
supposed to be? Is this just some sort of like? It's very Men in Black, like flicking the marbles, uh, and the marbles are yeah. universes. All right, what about your Crusher Creel Award for silly villainy? Um, I called out that big timeshare energy of Retcon talking to Lord Mangacon and how that was silly, and they're like, "Are you ready?" And he's like, "Ready for the deal of my life." <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> like he's so excited about this. This is not his first appearance. Oh, really? Yeah, Lord Mangacon has been in other things. Uh, I wondered that, and I should have looked it up. Mr. Nebula has like... also been in other things, but he is, he's a joke on Galactus. All right. Uh-huh. What about your Key of C award? What moment deserves a musical number? I think um, when the the different versions of Shade kind of hash it out, I think that would have been a fun musical number with, like, you could have gotten a bunch of, a bunch of like, uh, ladies all yeah. dressed in the different colored dresses, and they could have done a fun little dance and song. Could have been a really emotionally energetic almost sort of like ballet well i think it could have even taken on multiple styles oh yeah every emotion with a different style mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I i agree that would have been really beautiful yeah especially given their their they each sort of embodied a color as well as an emotion at the yes. end we you know get her back in her rainbow coat yes yeah. What's funny is DC has emotional an emotional spectrum, and this only kind of followed it. Well, there we go. Yeah, there's actually mm-hmm. no happiness on the DC emotional spectrum. <laughs> what does that say? <laughs> Jeff Johns came up with the emotional spectrum, so and there's no happiness, so you know, just take that as you will. Also, love on the emotional spectrum in DC is like uh, real weird and controlly. It's more like horny. Oh, great. <laughs> yep. Well, my key of C, I felt like Casey and Milkman Man needed needed a song. I yeah, that's true. They needed they needed a moment. They needed a time. They had they had a decent amount of panel time, but like especially something that could have made the ending hurt that much more. Just yes. not even remembering her kid, even though he was a monster. This is Superman. He's my monster. He's my monster. Do you ever feel that way about our kids? Sometimes they're little monsters, but there are monsters. Absolutely. I don't think there's a parent that hasn't felt that way. <laughs> Shout out to all you parents during IQ. It's It ain't easy. I'm doing the uh, little... The Sammy Sosa. When, oh, no, I, he did like the... He, he was I, would, kiss. I, I was doing the Hunger Games salute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sammy Sosa. Solidarity, folks. That's a, that's a relevant reference. <laughs> Well, we somewhat remained on topic. Yeah, we did our best. And oh. ma- that's all we can ask for. Mm-hmm. That's all we can ask for from us, from you, our readers. Maybe you've made it this far, but maybe your best left you off a little bit earlier. But if you have made it this far, uh, thank you very much, readers, for listening. You can send us your messages to Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Chris's Pod. Uh, and Please, if you've got some time, uh, write us a review on iTunes. Oh, you've got time. You've got time. We know you have time. <laughs> if you remember how to log into your iTunes. That's the hardest that part, is the let hardest me tell you. Part. So you get in there, you give us a review, review any other podcasts you listen to. Do like 10 at once. Yeah, just knock them all out. You won't have to remember your password for like another two years. There yeah, you go. That's great. You're golden. You're golden. But, but write us those reviews. Uh, if you're feeling a little bit more monetarily flush, uh, however, you got that stimulus cash and, you know, you're you're essential. You're still working or, you know, you're still still, still getting a paycheck, whatever way. And that stimulus money does not need to go to your rent or whatnot. <laughs> you can send some of that our way. <laughs> We've got a Kofi and a Patreon. Links mm-hmm. are in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun uh, incentives for that that you can check out. Yep. We are not writing anything right now. Ask again in a couple weeks. <laughs> Uh, next week we're, or next time we're doing Siege. It's a Marvel crossover requested mm-hmm. by Charlie Davis mm-hmm. for their uh, Patreon contributions. Yes, I likely will be um, sometime in the near future popping up on WMQ and A to uh, be on their podcast as part of uh, Creators for Comics. Yeah. Which was fun, and hopefully you got to see some really cool things that other people could afford during your <laughs> Creators for Comics event. Right? Holy heck. 
Some of Jim Lee's eBay stuff went for over $10,000 for an 11 by 17 sketch. Yep. Wild. 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 Hopefully all that money gets to where it needs to be for, for, for good causes and keeping comics coming our way. Yep. All right. Well, thank you very much, readers. And until next time. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.